and, and I don't want to say them. Uh-huh. I, I don't want to reveal our sources. We always protect our sources here at TCU. Or at TCU. Jesus, at CBC. At t- what the hell? Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> Take that out. Give me the a hypno-toad. click. We're not, we're not publishing that. We always we always protect our, our horses here at CBC. Shit. Fuck me. Sideways. <laughs> the hypno-toad got we me. We always protect our horses. <laughs> My brain just blew up. All right. Can we try again? This is Chapel Belker. I'm, I'm Justin. And today we have made it to the end of the road, folks. We're at we're at the national championship. It may seem surreal to some of you out there who were around during the the I won't say battle days, but the Mark Rick era that mm. that we're still having this conversation and we're not in the off season yet. But here we are. The, the it's dogs versus frogs, baby. Dogs and, and frogs, Justin baby. and I, Justin and I are here to break it down for you. If this is your first time joining us, as always, we will do this from both a qualitative and quantitative perspective. I have gotten some good, juicy, juicy, good stats from our friend Ross R. and our friend Ryan and several others over at our stat Patreon, our stat Discord, rather, which you can get onto, by the way, kind of a slip of the tongue there, by going to our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, if you go to patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve, you can join a great community of patrons and have access to our unedited show feed. Listen to us record live, get access to our show notes, get access to what I think is like truly the most feral social media person in the world, our very Correct. good friend Yara, and and getting the the unedited brain train of Yara. Let me tell you, it is it's like having it's like having the spice melange for the first time. You like <laughs> your eyes turn blue and you see into the future. That's how flow, baby. getting Yeah. But I guess we'll start out as always, with our qualitative preview here, yes, for the the game over in LA, uh, you have, as always, brought Justin a, a just a, a wealth of knowledge of mm-hmm, dubious mm-hmm. importance, but also very much for me personally, <laughs> yeah, high yeah. importance. It's so I would to like you. to, I would, I would like you to hit me with some of the the knowledge of dubious importance. Yeah, as we've done all season, we have played some teams where. You know, we, we get to the preview episode, we get to the preview game, uh, and we want to get our minds right. And so just like all season and all games that have come before us, I'm here to get your mind right, Nathan. We're playing these frogs, these horned-ass mm-hmm. frogs, which is the state mm-hmm. animal of Texas, which I found funny and odd to me. But the reason being, um, <laughs> apparently, uh, I forget who it was at this time, but I, I believe it was a previous coach or uh, president of TCU or something of the like. Um Notice there were a bunch of horned lizards who are also nicknamed horned frogs on the original campus of TCU. It was not always where it is now. And uh, you say like those little things, they they can really, uh, they're tough and they can tackle. <laughs> they punch above their weight class essentially. And so therefore, mm-hmm. ever since then, they were unironically the horned frogs. But I got to say, after doing some some very, you know, cursory Googling on the horned frog, I got to say, these dudes are chill. These dudes are super chill. For the most part, I'll get to the part that is not super chill. But if you just, I got some pictures here for you. Y'all look up the horned frogs. They come in all shapes and sizes and colors, but all of them chill. Very squinty, very cute. Some of them very happy. And um, in just a moment, I'm going to share some some lovely frog facts with you to cleanse our palate after I, mm, <laughs> I talk mm-hmm. a little bit about TCU. Uh, yeah, I, I would I love you a, to. 
yeah, I have a motto for us going into this, and I'm going to build up to the motto. I'm going to give you some some data before I get to the motto that we can use going into this game on Monday. But one thing you got to know about TCU, them dudes is rich. Uh, Texas Christian University, these folks got money. Uh, and I got numbers to back that up. An article from the New York Times in 2017, I was reading this earlier, uh, they analyzed a whole lot of enrollment data that was used in 2013 to see which schools across the nation had the most students from the top 1% of earners in the United States. Um, students, their families, not the students themselves, obviously. So they found that 38 colleges, the top 38 colleges had more students coming from families that earned in the top 1% than the bottom 60% of families and colleges in the nation. So TCU, of those top 38, comes in at 35, meaning 16% of their student population come from families earning more than $630,000 per year, with 16% coming from families making less than $65,000 per year, which that top 16%, that is roughly 1,300 students at that time because their enrollment was right around uh, the 8,000 point, I believe. But since then, their enrollment has grown around 40%. So today, that could be as many as 2,000 sweet little trust fund frogs uh, now at that rate if it grew at the same rate. Uh, to give you a point of reference, Georgia ranks 177th on that list with 5.1% coming from families earning more than 630000 per year, with 22% coming from families making less than 65000 per year, which is... In the grand scheme of things, it's roughly the same amount of students at UGA as it is uh, there in in raw numbers. It's a, so it's a most a much lower proportion. Much lower proportion, yes. So too long didn't read equals eat the rich on Monday. We're eating these rich. Eat, eat the rich the frogs. frogs. Eat, eat the, the rich, rich frogs, frogs yeah. baby. So use your good good stomach acid, Uga. Yeah. So I'm gonna get off my pedestal for just a moment. I'm gonna get back to cute frogs and talk to you a little okay. bit about. Uh, so I like you know, this. I really like this because you're like you made me angry. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. now you're walking me back down. You're kind yeah, of yeah. really controlling the throttle. I'm holding your hand here. So, you, you know, we've yeah, already I got through the holidays. That. I'm not giving y'all information to go and, you know, hang out with your your uncle, your crazy uncle, and talk to him about all the rich kids from Texas Christian University because that's not going to go anywhere good. Instead, I'm going to equip you with tools and skills and knowledge about frogs that you can share with all the folks at your tailgate this weekend when your social anxiety begins to take over. <laughs> And you've run out of things to say. You can reach for one of these amazing frog facts. So, Nathan. Yes. Did Justin. you know? <laughs> uh, so I'm really, I'm going to actually, I'm going to channel a different energy real quick. I'm going to channel like a, um, we're at the tailgate. So close your eyes for me for a second. I want you to picture we are at a tailgate mm -hmm. and there's hot dogs on the grill. Mm -hmm. We're all hanging out. Mm -hmm. You can hear somebody like a few parking spots down. They're playing cornhole. You hear like mm -hmm. the sack hit the wooden board. <laughs> yeah, I love that sound. Yeah, just that flap. Flap. <laughs> Every time my sack hits the wooden board, flap, baby. And uh, we're both sitting there, and and I I take a sip of my beer, but then I I drink it down, and I go, Hey Nathan, did, did you know Frog completely sheds his skin about once a week, and after it gets done, it with his hellish skincare routine, he usually eats the old skin. Hmm. I did not oh, know that. Okay, but did you know that when a frog eats a spray, it blinks and pushes its eyeballs down on top of its mouth to help to push the food down its throat? Did you know that one? No. <sighs> but but did you know that frogs and toads are the same? Toads are just usually frogs with dry, warty skin is all. It's pretty rude if you ask me. Okay, I didn't know that. That's actually very interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Did you know a group of frogs is called an army? What 
I didn't know that either. It feels feels pretty apt for Texas Christians, don't you think? Did you know that that when a horned frog is frightened, it can squirt a four foot stream of blood from its eyes, Nathan? <laughs> I did. Oh, um, <laughs> I hate just this made one. Me, like, I just like almost like choked on my own spit. That's what it's you almost did to me. And I That's... left a link there for you. If you go I... to <laughs> the one forty five mark, why? Uh, ah, okay, it's just squirt blood out of that eyeball. Ah. Oh, it's like in slow motion. Why does it do that? Where does all that come from? <laughs> okay, that's metal as shit, though. <laughs> and then they show like a poor dog just be like, oh, shouldn't do that. That's not how bodies are made. Anyway, those are my frog facts. That's what I got. Also, for you. just the idea that this frog is like, you want the blood tithe? You <laughs> shall have the blood tithe. <laughs> the horned frog plays the blood tithe. All right, Absolutely let's talk about some insane. history and then we'll get into some newsy stuff. Yeah, this yeah, for sure. Or do you want to do newsy stuff first? Eh, I don't let's care. Let's do newsy stuff first. No, let's okay. do it first. We got we to right, dance, cool, cool, cool. dance with, with the, the girl that brought us. We got to do this the way we've always Dance done with this. the template that brought us. Yeah, yeah. This template brought us to the dance, and we're not going to leave this template leaning against being a wallflower. Oh yeah, you know, holding holding a cup of punch. We're going to take that template out and make it make it Top feel like it's pretty. Top things. People are talking about Darnell Washington. What's his deal? Do you know anything about Darnell? Got hurt last week. Where's he at now? I have heard from multiple places. One of whom I I I I am not trying to plagiarize. I just really can't remember all where I read this, but I did read. I think it was Graham Coffee. Um, and then I think also maybe there's somebody at Rivals who thought that who was saying that like well if it's not a, an ankle sprain but some kind of tissue contusion that he is more likely to play he is on the yeah he has some kind of like hard bruise or something he is uh-huh. on the plane with the team I I don't know how much that means because I think they probably will just take the whole team regardless I would say I think that if it's one of those things where pain is an issue he will play. Now, mm-hmm. I I would guess that he will play in a limited role. I think he could probably still be a very good asset in run blocking game and as a as a sort of decoy in the in the past game. But I I'm not confident, you know, that he's going to have a big day. But I will say, after he went out uh, against Ohio State, our run our run blocking was much more labored. I think Oscar Delp is going to be a very good tight end. I just don't think he is. He's not the blocker that Darnell Washington is because he's not six seven. Right. So I would imagine Darnell will play because if it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you're not going to make it worse, but it's just going to hurt. It's like he'll probably just get shot up, you know, with like eight, eight shots of cortisone or whatever. Mike Bobo news or at least rumors of Mike Bobo. Mm -hmm. What's going on with Mike Bobo? Offensive analyst. Well, there is a rumor that we know officially that Zach Arnett, the head coach at Mississippi State, replacing the uh, sadly deceased Mike Leach has hired Will Friend to be his offensive line coordinator. That that one's been confirmed, uh, or his offensive line coach. Jeez. Mm-hmm. That, that has been confirmed. Football Scoop has also rumored that Mike Bobo might be signing as well to be Mississippi State's OC. Now, it would make sense personnel-wise because Will Friend is very close friends, ha ha ha, with Mike Bobo. <laughs> Will Friend was the offensive line coach at UGA when Bobo was there for part of his tenure. And so it wouldn't shock me I have seen, I mean, I, I don't know. I've seen message board, board scuttlebutt that he's not going. I've seen it that he is going. I haven't really seen any reporting. Everyone seems to say for sure that he is has been contacted. 
you know, he's not an on-field coach in an official capacity, so I certainly would rather lose Mike Bobo than Todd Munkin, for instance. But, oh, I yeah. mean, you know, he's still a really good – he's a good coach. It's it's not bad to have him here. I don't know that he'll go. I, I don't know, man. I, I just think, like, he's got a kid on the team, I'm pretty sure. He also is like, – I don't know. How much does he want to coach? Like, his family, I'm sure, wants him to stay. Yeah. Just stick around. We'll bud. see. He is in L.A. I do know that. So we won't get a decision on this till Tuesday at the earliest. Yeah. Or if we do, it'll be unofficial. Also, hashtag sad face. Ugo will not be making the trip to L.A. Those are other what... things. Okay. Here's the thing. I don't know what we can talk about about this subject, because I think the two of us know some things <laughs> that we shouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, that we shouldn't know here at CBC. The name of this podcast, we protect our sources. This is a football podcast. We protect our sources. We have a source as to Uga. <laughs> we have some sources vis-a-vis Uga that I don't want to burn this source. But I will say I think it is disappointing that Uga is not going to L.A. I always want Uga to be healthy and to be safe. And as a nine-year-old dog, I understand that there are some medical concerns. It bums me out. You know, of course, take care of the dog. But I wonder if I wish that we could have had some accommodation made. Mm-hmm. That's all. Do you have what any other just, thoughts? We could zoom him in, you know, we just zoom mm. the boy in. What if we replaced him with one of our very well protected horses here at CBC? <laughs> <laughs> Protect our horses. We could just dress. Oh, you could finally live out your furry dream. We could dress you up as a great big dog and you could sit no. in the air conditioned house on the sidelines. Okay. I don't know why we have to go so far back into the. You're, you're pulling us so back, so far back into the CBC could, archive. Let, could I, no, stop. I, I, no, stop. Stop. I want to be clear. I would. I am attracted to girls that have tails and are like part fox, but I am All not right. a furry. I'm very sweaty, and the idea of a fur suit is like a personal cask of amontillado to me. Okay. If you ever get, if you ever get Montresor angry at me. Get me into a fruit. All I'm saying is, I think you could probably conduct Choker from the doghouse. I definitely could. I think, okay, so the last thing we'll talk about that has, you know, is is tangentially related to football is you just had a a link here that says chant. And I want you to tell me what this means. Yeah, okay. TCU, who we played in 2016 at the Liberty Bowl, by the way, but which, uh, speaking of like two teams that have gone in totally different totally mm-hmm. totally different uh, directions are to- well they have gone in different directions but also they they're now in totally different places than they were in 2016 but uh we played them in 2016 and i heard them yelling this and i think it was not as big a deal then as it is now it's it's like come back they have this chant that they do and it's apparently the old the oldest chant in the southwest conference which was tcu's original conference and it's from the 20s and i'm about to read it for you word for word uh-huh. ready Riff, Ram, Ba, Zoo, Lickety, Lickety, Zoo, Zoo, Who, Wah, Wah, Who, Give them Hell, TCU. Now, you might be asking yourself, <laughs> did Dr. Seuss take acid in an old Southwest Conference game and write that? No. Yeah. And you might also be asking yourself, surely there's some kind of explanation as to why that why that is. There is none. Well, there is none. We're a scat-only podcast now. We're just scatting yeah. the rest of the show. There was cocaine in the Coca-Cola, and they were just like, that's enough sounds that rhyme. Yep. Riff Rambazoo, baby. 
But now, if, if you look up, if you just look up videos of like TCU chant or like Riff Ram chant, there is like a hardcore, like very serious, intense hype video involving Riff Ram Bazu. There is. It does. And it's, I like the Give Him Hell TCU. I like Give Him Hell TCU. Riff Ram Bazu, I struggle. I have struggles with that. We're, that was our qualitative review, if such a Fucking thing can hell. be said oh about what we just did. To Really, I think we have just dishonored the MP3 format. Like the people who <laughs> no. created the format standard are going to come out no. of retirement and murder us. We've really honored like the first week of January, last week of December. You know, like nothing's really you supposed know, to be done these two weeks. I'm not I'm not doing this right now, but I know it's very popular online. But that was a very dry January qualitative open. That was like th- that was like the qualitative that was the qualitative segment for two dudes who used to drink a lot but now aren't. It was drinking. good. It was real it, good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Those are the best kind of podcasters, I guess. Looking at TCU. From a statistical standpoint, is what we're trying to do here. This team's 13-1, of course. Uh, great job. Conference finish first. They are the first Big 12 team to go to the big game. Their EPA per play is 0.14, positive 0.14. Their yards per play is 1.1, good for 17th in the nation. Uh, adjusted yard percentage, 13.4, good for 15th. And their success rate is 1.3, good for 58th, compared to mm-hmm. Georgia's, which is second, fourth, second, and first, respectively. Uh, huge mm-hmm. margin of difference in that success rate. And I think that is going to be really where this game is won. Georgia's success rate at this point is number one in the nation, 16.4% to, again, TCU's 1.3, which is 58th in the nation, almost dead average. Yeah. Uh, what else do you want to – I'd love for you to go down some numbers and sort of tell us – give us an overview uh, of what this team is, who they are, and and what we can sort of okay. expect, Nathan. Yeah, so this is a team that has four and five stars. Don't get it twisted. Max Duggan was a four star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quentin, Quentin Johnson, their sort of probably best player, not probably, their best player, Quentin Johnson, was a five star, if I'm not mistaken. He's currently sitting at 0.60 EPA per play, which is unreal. Uh, yeah. He has a 68% catch radi- or catch percentage, which is also very good. 855 yards and five touchdowns, if my math is right. I... This is a team that is not at the Georgia level of just pure athletic dominance and talent. Uh, they 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 are not in you know the top two or three or whatever Georgia is every year. However, they are like I would say at key spots, very talented and very deep. They have a very Absolutely. good receiving core. They have a very good running back score. They are led by a guy who has an actual pedigree. Now, this is the first year that Max Duggan, I think, has like put it together to meet the I don't know, meet the quality of his potential with his performance. But I, it's hard to say that this is this T, this TCU team anything other than belongs to be here after their defeat of Michigan. Right, Michigan, by the way, is the 13th best team in the 24 talent composite, 24 seven talent composite. Georgia is the second best in the 24 seven talent composite, and TCU is, and I gotta scroll, scroll down, down here, 32nd. So they are outplaying their talent because they have a series of very good transfers that are contributing on defense. They have a dominant five star player who is an instant impact player that you only need one of on offense. 
and they have a quarterback who has done more than enough with his legs and good enough with his arm to get them here. They've also been, and I hate this word, but clutch as fuck, right? They, they, <laughs> they looked well, they look well coached. Well, clutch is the word that I hate, but yeah, yeah. I, I clearly don't hate the F word. Uh, <laughs> they, um, they have they've looked well coached in high leverage, high pressure situations. Getting that that fire drill of a field goal kick off against Baylor in the last second to win the game, that is that is the, that is the sign of good coaching in special teams, right? They they have in key spots and at key times, you know, the the Texas game was a game that was very low scoring. They ended up winning 17 to 10, but most of the time the game was like 17 to three is kind of a pressure cooker game. They've won games in different ways. They've blown teams out when they needed to. So I I don't want to like damn them with faint praise when I say this, but like, this is a team that deserves to be here. This is a team that has had a really great run and that, yeah, maybe has been buoyed by luck, but do not be mistaken by thinking that they are not a talented team because they are. Because also they they are able to outperform their talent because of the way their talent is distributed. Now, yeah. having said all of that, in terms of depth, in terms of pure talent, and in terms of stati- like just statistical markers, these two teams, UJ and TCU, are not peers. They're they're not, and and TCU can win this game, and I think I would like to talk about what the path to that would be, but these are not two teams that are on the same level of production or organization just throughout the year right they they are you know usually okay so the three stats that we that sam our best model which uses uh, machine learning like algorithms to determine what the most important what the most important components of winning a football game are that are our most important in Sam stats are points per opportunity, which is basically red, red zone defense and offense. Okay. Success mm-hmm. rate, which is efficiency and EPA, which is a combination of efficiency and explosiveness expected points added. All right. So PPO points per opportunity. So this is how many points do you score when you possess the ball inside of your opponent's 40 and how many do you give up? Right. Georgia is 11th in offensive PPO and eighth in defensive PPO. Okay. TCU is 31st in offensive P- uh, PPO and 103rd in defensive PPO. They're giving up over four points per opportunity defensively. That is not good. If you get this team inside of the 40, you are relatively likely to score a touchdown in a vacuum, much less with the talent involved. And to me, that's really telling. Right. And it also, I think that is one small thing that is a very good matchup for UGA because it's sometimes we've had a lackluster We've had lackluster success in red zone offense. I think we would all agree at times. Um, but so that I think is something to look at is to see, like, can UGA convert live long drives into touchdowns? Success rate wise, UGA is third in offensive success rate, eighth in defensive success rate. TCU is 49th in offensive success rate and 45th in defensive success rate. EPA, yeah, UGA offensively is fourth, defensively they're seventh. TCU offensively they're 15th, defensively they're 44th. TCU is a very good team, and they played a hell of a game to beat Michigan. No doubt about Mm. it. But we don't have to pretend that having two pick sixes doesn't affect the outcome of the game. I think it was incredibly, incredibly impressive the way TCU manned up against Michigan on the defensive line in particular. I think they they have a lot of talent, and I think that they also have a 
a very, I think, sneakily good defensive line and defense. Mm-hmm. But like, ultimately, like this is not a defense that is as good down to down as some of the others that Georgia has seen this year. Even they're certainly not as good a defense as Ohio State. So, I, I don't know, man. I w- let's talk about some other parts of TCU. But ultimately, like that that's my biggest takeaway about this. TCU can win this game because of the soft stuff, because of mm-hmm. the soft science stuff, like they're clutch and they're well coached and they they are unflappable in the face of, of adversity. But the stats tell you something, man. And the thing about Georgia is like Georgia's good at the soft stuff too. That's the problem. It's like yeah. we can't quantify that soft stuff, but I would be I think you would be hard pressed to find a better coaching staff than Georgia at this point. Yeah. And and we've proven that every time. Like we, we talk about how, and I'm going to talk about this and what we'd like to see, is like TCU is really great at forcing turnovers, and Georgia has been really good at like creating turnovers, apparently. But the thing that separates Georgia from the other teams in this league, and the reason why they're here, is because they clean up after themselves. They fuck up, and they mess up, and then they clean it up. But that is not no but. It's just it's because we have a... You know, a great team, deep talent, and a very good coaching staff that helps them understand how to clean up in those situations, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, Sonny Dyke, Sonny Dykes, Jesus, Sonny Dykes is Plural. a very good coach. Mm-hmm. I, You know, obviously, I think I would agree. I don't think you can. There's no questioning Kirby's results over the last two years. And if he wins this game, I think there's no questioning him, period, probably. I think he's entering yep. his despot, his despot era, which is, you know. <laughs> We win two natties, and that's fine with me. I'm all anti-fascist until you put a ring on my finger. Anyway, but um, I don't know, man. He turned SMU around. He he had a one failure at a job at Cal, which is yeah. why he kind of had to go re- rebuild his career, which had to do more to do with Cal than him or whatever. And, you know, they were five and seven last year. His Sonny Dykes offensive coordinator is uh, Garrett Riley, which is the little brother of uh, Riley over at USC, Lincoln Riley mm-hmm. over at USC. Joe Gillespie is his DC. They run a three-three-five. You have a question here that says, "What's a three-three-five? Let's talk about it." Yeah, let's do that's it. That's something uh, you guys will see if you're reading articles this week about TCU. You're going to yeah. hear about the three. What's interesting defense. is that UGA doesn't run a three-three-five base the way that TCU does, but UGA runs a lot of three-down linemen, five defensive back stuff. They, yeah. That's that's a pretty common thing. They they run. Like a tight front and a bare front out of it. No, just a tight. I think their money front. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But the three three five is basically the idea is you have three down linemen, three linebackers, and five defensive backs on the field, and you have that at all times, not just when you're in a dime or quarters package. And the idea is you are really actually very good against the run in those situations. Because you can run fit from weird directions. You can mess up blocking schemes offensively because you can bring the fourth or fifth. You can bring the fourth guy to the line of scrimmage, basically post snap from the secondary, right? So it always appears that you have six guys in the box, which looks like a good box to run against. But it doesn't because you usually have seven or eight guys in the box as you bring people from the second level. This uh, Arkansas did something similar. They play a three down kind of thing. They It's like an eight man cloud defense sometimes, I think. But this is like a TCU thing. So, I mean, I know Mississippi State has done under Zach Arnett this last year. They did some 3-3-5, but I don't think we've seen anybody who does it sort of quite as religiously as they do. I, I think the biggest thing for the 3-3-5 is like we have to figure out how to run zone 
against it because we haven't been very good in zone run plays this year, like throughout the year, honestly, like we've talked about this across a couple of episodes, but the zone often or the zone like schemes running wise are way, way better against three, three, five, usually than gap schemes, because in, in the zone scheme, you just sort of like walk forward and find the person in front of you. Whereas in a zap whereas in a gap scheme, you're trying to like find a person, a specific person in a specific place, which is often very hard to do because they kind of play this defense where it's like they're just eight guys standing up and four of them are going to run at you, right? And so gap scheme runs can be very difficult against three through five. So that's actually going to be an interesting subplot in the game is like how how well can Georgia run against that front because they're usually pretty good at it. Uh, you know, ironically, even with having eight dudes standing up at the snap most of the time, this is a team that does not defend the deep ball well at all. Now, I don't know to what extent that is a, a reflection of their talent in the defensive backfield, or it's a reflection of the offenses that they've played. But before the Ohio State game, we certainly wouldn't associate the Michigan offense as like being a deep shot team. And that is what they did the whole game against TCU, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. Uh, well, go ahead. Sorry. But are you ready to get into what you'd like to see? Or do you have anything else you want to talk about with the, this TCU team? You say no, you have this about note it. about Sonny Dykes being a nepo, da- a nepo baby, and that's I'm interested in that. I didn't <laughs> that, know that. That's more for just us, you know. <laughs> that's just us. <laughs> oh, he is. His is, his dad he's a was nepo um, he's a nepo baby. Yeah, a little, little nepotism baby. His dad, uh, which I found out tonight, uh, is named Spike Dykes, which I think is very funny for just the sound of it, and it's fun to say. Uh, if you're listening to this right now, I encourage you just to say it out loud. Uh, but he was the as people you know say the legendary Texas Tech coach, Spike Dykes. And uh, yeah, so other, you know, Texas coaches, Texas coach family. Uh, I know that at least I'm pretty sure Sonny Dykes also coached at Texas Tech at some point. I think at the same time Mike Leach was there before he was at SMU. And so they're just kind of, they. the Texas runs deep in this family. I haven't actually heard a lot of Sonny Dykes interviews and now I'm kind of wishing I had because I hope he has a really nice Texas accent. He does. He has a very Texas accent. Fantastic. The Texas runs deep in this family is all, you know. But yeah, let, let's talk about what we'd like to see. What do we we kind of uh what what is something that indicates that this is going to be Georgia's game if it goes well? I mean, I number 1, I I think we got to get America's ass going. I think Tell me this more is about a that. team. <laughs> yeah. Explain what you mean. You yeah. sound like Say more words. <laughs> Same words. Uh, no, we, we we always we made a joke because we had a picture in our show notes of Brock Bowers' ass, and we kept calling mm-hmm. it America's ass. It's America's ass. I think this is a team against which Brock Bowers can make hay. They have some uh-huh. very good players up front. They have a very they have a couple of very good defensive linemen. They are, if not undermanned, I think maybe a little bit outmatched in the secondary, particularly in terms of linebackers and safeties trying to cover this tight end core. Uh, Brock Bowers was relatively quiet against Ohio State, and then he had like five important catches in the fourth quarter. And I expect them to go to him early and often because he's a mismatch against anybody. He's a mismatch mm-hmm. for a big play against anybody, but against a defense that is susceptible to the big play, he's you, you got to be licking your chops if you were Todd Munkin at this point. Um, yeah, he he was apparently also ready to. He was also apparently sick during the yeah. Ohio State game. I heard that, so. I, I expect him to have a really good day. And I think, I, I guess overall, the, the more like thing I want to see is like, if we put TCU in a hole early, I think it gets a lot harder for them. 
because yeah. they were winning that Michigan game basically the whole game. And, you know, they had to basically stave off a furious comeback from Michigan. But ultimately, they got ahead early and could use their offensive style taking shots just to go to basically trade shots with Michigan because they didn't have anything to worry about because they had the lead. Yeah. Right. So I think that I what was it um, in the second half? That, so this is actually a historical thing is that TCU is the only team <laughs> to reach the big game or I know it's the only team. What was it? It's the only team that did something and gave up uh, 40, no, 39 points in the second half. Yeah, they gave up 39 points in the second half and still won the game. I don't know if it was playoff era or a game to reach the national championship or just in general, <laughs> like because that's yeah. pretty insane to give up. Uh, mm-hmm. almost 40 points in the second half and still somehow win a game but yeah i I, I look i are pick sixes luck probably not those were two really good plays picks are not luck uh those were bad throws from jj mccarthy so i, I don't want to say that tcu was lucky to stake themselves to a big lead against michigan but they did get four or 14 points off of directly off of turnovers they got two pick mm-hmm. sixes it's it makes it way easier to win, win the game when you steal two possessions like that, right? And I don't... Yeah. If you assume that Stetson Bennett doesn't have two pick sixes, which I think we just have to work under the assumption that he won't, I think that makes you feel uh, uh, just a lot better about where you are against this team. What else, yeah. what, what, are you, what are you looking for? So, I mean, the key to TCU's success, and this is kind of how I looked at this, like, if they're going to win, they are going to have to rely on what they've done all year. And what they've done all year is win from their explosiveness. Because if you look across the board, just as far as statistic, statistically speaking, on defense, this team is almost average defensively. And that is not going to go well playing a hot, hot, hot Georgia offense that has finally figured out like every piece of the game, every facet of uh, I, their offense. I would be shocked, and and this is like me reaching out to Ross right now. I know I could just text him, but I'm sure Ross could do some research on this, but I would be shocked if this wasn't our best offense in the playoff era. It like, might I be. Would, yeah, I, I would be staggered if it wasn't. I think yeah. statistically, pretty much top to bottom, it, it's it's as good as it gets. But you're you're right. Yeah. You, you don't want to be in that in that situation. Yeah, we, we don't want to be in a situation where we're, we're getting beat in man coverage and we definitely want to keep their explosiveness to a minimum. We want to keep everything in front of us defensively. We want to make sure that, mm-hmm. you know, our backs are to the end zone and our backs are not to uh, players, obviously. So just making sure that we are keeping an eye on them. Uh, what, yeah. what else do you got? Well, I think a big thing for me is you I, I feel like UGA has to put max duggan on his ass the second ass i've made reference to but i think a lot of the problem i went and rewatched the peach bowl because i don't know i just not like i have anything to do this week that that's not true i've been i've been hellishly busy but i still rewatch the peach bowl but anyway i went and rewatched the peach bowl and i do think that a lot of the secondary struggle came from the fact that we just weren't getting home on the pass rush and a lot of that was because they were like max protecting there were like seven guys in pass protection a lot of times it was like five offensive linemen, a tight end, and a running back a lot of the time. I don't know that Ohio State has, or that TCU, while they do have a very good offensive line, I do not know that their offensive line is as good as Ohio State's. Mm -hmm. And so I just think you have to put more pressure on him. I mean, like there was, I think in in the game broadcast, they talked about how there was one sort of like circus catch from Marvin Harrison where CJ Stroud kind of like ran around in the pocket and then threw it to the back of the end zone 
when Marvin Harrison was like running, Marvin Harrison Jr. was like running in front of Malachi Starks. And I think that they said that CJ Stroud had like six seconds to throw that ball. And like yeah. most quarterbacks who aren't CJ Stroud, what can throw a touchdown with six seconds to throw the ball. Right. I think if you can get a consistent pass rush and, you know, put him dirty up his dirty up his Jersey a little bit. I think that is the first step to a UGA blowout. Absolutely. Um, I'm also thinking that I would love, this is more of like, it's not going to be an indicator of us going to win. We're going to win the game necessarily, but I would really love to finish the season with our red zone efficiency intact where it is. We've only gone to the red zone twice this year and not scored. And I think that that is worth defending. Keep that, you know, <laughs> keep that moving. Uh, other yeah. thing is TCU forced three turnovers against Michigan last week. And so help me, if we do that Georgia thing where in the first half we turn over the ball a lot and then we kind of like dick around and we're like, oh, where'd the ball go? Uh, I will be upset (laughs) because apparently this TCU team has luck on their side. They've got the hypnotoad. They got that frog in them. And I'm not ready to lose this game for dumb reasons. If we're going to lose this game, I would rather lose it to a team like Ohio State last week who I'm like, yeah, they earned that, you know? Don't give it to them I want to just pause because I think the point you made was just very good, but I also want to interrogate the sort of uh, MCU style world you have just made where you've made the Swedish chef a UGA fan with your little like, oh no, they got the ball. Anyway, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, the, the, it is trite, not, you're, you're not being trite, but it is trite no. to say to some level. Like, oh, how does an undermanned team, how does a team that has less talent beat a team with more talent? And one of the answers is turnovers and points off of turnovers. turnovers. But that that is it, right? Like, if you can limit turnovers and you can at least win the turnover battle or at least stay net, net neutral on it, you got to feel good about UJ's chances. I mm-hmm. Look, ultimately, I think the path to TCU winning this game is they are going to swing big. They are, going, yep. they are not going to jab. It's going to be haymakers all night from these guys. If I, Let me just mix all my sports metaphors. They, I think <laughs> that they know that the way they win this game is they they just consistently spring big plays to Quentin Johnson and to their wide receiver core, which is also very talented outside of him. And so I, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can articulate this. You, Quentin Johnson is a five-star wide receiver, and he's probably the best wide receiver in America. Or if not the best, he's one of the best wide receivers in America. And he's going to get his. He's probably going to have a touchdown. That's just what it is. But I think you have to just be able to counterpunch if you're Georgia. One of the things that I think doomed Ohio State is they had a big lead and then they stopped counterpunching for several reasons. One of them was that UJ's defense played better. But when you're in a back and forth game where everyone is taking big swings and everyone's throwing the ball down the field, you are eventually going to give up some points, especially when there's a very good wide receiver involved. I think you have to be able to take TCU's big best shot and get off the mat, right? And so mm-hmm. to me, you know, if TCU has a big play, you have to answer. You have to answer. Because I think the longer the game goes on where you're ahead, if you're UGA, the better chance you have of winning. For TCU to win, I think they either have to get up early or they have to keep it close. They have to keep it to a one-score game. I think if you put TCU in a position where they're two, they're in a two-score deficit, it's going to be hard for them to come back because they have such a talent disadvantage that 
you have to figure that like the net opportunity for them to mess up is a little bit higher. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. So this game, as far as predictions go, Vegas has this game favored in UGA's favor, 13.5. I think it may have moved to 12.5 today at some point. Uh, CBC Sam has it UGA negative 20.5 in their favor. Uh, It's predicting Georgia 35.7 to TCU's 15.2 with a 90.8% Georgia win probability. Pretty good, I would say. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, I would agree is what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm not really, you know, I think we've painted a a beautiful enough picture of how this game may go. I think it's going to be a beautiful night. I think it's going to be a great time. I think everyone's going to have fun. (laughs) And there will be many points scored. Um, I think that in the end of this, we may very well see, like, if the first half goes the way that I hope it goes, because this is a game where both teams... You leave it all on the field. This is the last game. This is the last, like, let it sink in for a moment. This is the last time we're going to see players like Stetson Bennett. This is his last game. I think that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, a lot of can players' I, last we, games. We're going to have to do a Stetson Bennett hagiopathy. Like, I think we owe, <laughs> we owe we Stetson owe Bennett him. a full episode. Yeah. Because we said some mean things about him. I don't think they were ever mean. They were very uh, critical. They were, they were critical. I, what I want Yara to do is to make a hype video where the where the media that is saying Stetson Bennett can't do it is us. <laughs> it's just us. It's just us. There, that did that does exist, <laughs> and it's it's yeah, been no, it recorded. Is in, it is in the archive. Like I have said some bad uh-huh. things about Stetson Bennett. I, and but yeah, I think this is, is a, a game fundamentally that, limited quarterback. I think I that wrong. Georgia will win this game pretty handily. I think that Georgia's going to come out on top. I think they're going to stay ahead most of the time. I think that Georgia wins 42 to TCU's 21. What do you think? <sighs> oh, boy. Wow, that's a that's a good prediction. It's a big margin. I, big old margin. I think we cover... I don't know if we cover Sam's spread. Mm-hmm. I would take us to cover at 13 and a half. I don't think I would cover it. Take us to cover at 20. There's a couple of things. One, I think this is a trap line from Vegas. There's Mm -hmm. so much money going on TCU right now. There's so much money going on TCU. And remember, as we have talked about in the past, and something that was explained to me really well by someone on our Discord is, you know, they don't, they limit the sharps betting. The people who bet thousands of dollars on these games, they're limited to very low bet amounts until like the day before the game. So Mm. right now, all the public money is on TCU. And okay. I just, I just think we're going to see the late money, the sharp money, go to UGA by like a lot. I think this yeah. is a trap line. I think Vegas thinks that UGA is going to win this game handily. I think UGA is going to have to contend and have at least a very competitive half, if not three competitive quarters. I could see this being a one-score game at halftime. I could ski. I could see UGA being down a score. I could. I mean, they have a big enough, they have a threatening enough wide receiver and a dual threat quarterback to the point where it's like, it could happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, man, like, I just, is this team, let me ask you this. Is this TCU team better than Tennessee? No. Like, I know they're, I I, they're so. more deserving. I'm not I'm not debating whether or not TCU deserves to be here because I, I no. think they definitely do. OK, 
I think but, Tennessee was way scrappier. Right. So this is not our best model, but but per CBCR two, we have Tennessee or we say have Georgia as uh, thirty four points in CBCR two. We have Tennessee as twenty five points, and then we have TCU as eighteen. And mm-hmm. I I just keep coming back to that Tennessee game, and it was like when it really mattered, and when people talked a lot of shit. And when all we could talk about was how Hinden, how good Hinden Hooker was and how good Jalen Hyatt were, and that's all true, we we atomized, we, we pressure cooked them, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think we're going to be able to do that the way we did against Tennessee for a couple reasons. The f- number one being that Nolan Smith is hurt. I think that, you know, you're, I think the game is going to be closer than it would be without him because it's just going to be harder to get a consistent pass rush on Max Duggan. Max Duggan can run. That also makes it hard to have a consistent pass rush. But I just, Man, TCU could win this game, and I don't want to eat crow in on Tuesday, <laughs> right? And uh, so I'm yep. not saying that I, I'm positive that the UJ is going to win, but man, these these teams aren't peers. They're not peers athletically. They're not peers in terms of pure talent. They're not even peers statistically. TCU mm-hmm. plays a very high variance f- brand of football, and they're very well coached, which means they can win any game they play because they are going to take shots. But the, the what they have not yet hap- had happen is the regression to the mean game, right? Because it's not that they're lucky. It's just that they have managed to put themselves in situations to, to make one very big high leverage play, Mm -hmm. right? Like you said, they've gotten down and they've come back and they've gotten down and they've come back. But what happens when you get down and you throw a pick or you have a game ending sack or you have a fumble. And I'm not saying UGA is going to do that to them, but if anybody in the country has the ability to do that, it's UGA. UGA has shown this year, Georgia has shown we will step on your face sometimes, mm-hmm. right? So my prediction is thirty four seventeen. I like it. And last thing we're going to do before we actually get out of here, we have an Ask CBC from longtime listener, Irk Russell, who asks, I think an apt question for this game is, coming from Irk Russell, he says, no question, last year's defense was better. This year's offense is better. If 2021 UGA could play 2022 UGA, who would win? I think I I think 2021 <laughs> UGA would win. I think so Be- as well. Because I don't think that the level of play from this offense has been very high and they are way better than they were last year and they are one of the best offenses in the nation at this point. But I do not think that there is a difference maker on the field anywhere on this team the way that that defensive line was now that doesn't mean that this team overall is worse they might be better i mean i it's just like man like is there someone on this team that can magically block jade uh jordan david or jordan davis Mm -mm. and like this 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 uga team is the best team in the nation right now and they probably should win the natty like i mean they should now whether or not they deserve to win the last game like whatever but like just talent wise, statistics, whatever, they are the best team in the nation. They they should win this this game. And there's no doubt about that. But that last year's defense, and in particular last last year's defensive front seven was I don't even know if they were once Unreal. in a generation, man. I they were like once in the era, once in the modern era of football. Has a team ever had a defense that good? So like I still think I would take twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Well, well, that is an episode of yep. this podcast.
It is currently 9.40 p.m. on Friday. I'm going mm-hmm. to get off of this call and hang out with my wife because I have to get up at like 5.45 tomorrow and get on a bus and then a plane to go to Los Angeles. Yep. Uh, our our home correspondent, I will be our foreign correspondent, our domestic correspondent, <laughs> Justin, will be here somewhere in oh, yeah. downtown Athens, I suppose. Where, where, what do you do? What's your game plans? I have not got that far ahead yet, but you know I will be somewhere where the people are. Somewhere where someone is watching this game. Yes. <laughs> I think that's fair. We uh, can say that. Back to you, Nathan. No. <laughs> back to you. We're like I don't know what the reverse of doxing someone is, but just like so vaguely describing their location <laughs> that they get lost. Anyway. Uh-huh. So anyway, this has been Chapel Bell Curve. <laughs> yeah. If you like what you heard here today, there are three ways you could support us. We would love a rating or review on Apple. Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, You can find Chapel Bell Curve at any of these places. You can get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as TikTok, by searching Chapel Bell Curve or email us at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. The, another big way you can support this podcast is financially by Ooh. dropping us as little as $1 on patreon.com at patreon.com forward slash chapelbellcurve. You can join a very good community of people and get access to all sorts of benefits and bonuses and behind the scenes stuff. You can catch us this weekend in the LA or in the ATH. I don't know. I'll be in LA. Justin will be in. Justin will probably still be in Athens trying to edit this nightmare of an episode. Uh, It's going to be great. But but until then, go dogs. Go dogs. (laughs) Go dogs.